God's good. So I'm going to pick up where I left off last week, and, and uh, we were talking about the emotional health of people and how important it is to promote healthy people in our life and leadership in our life, and, and uh, I think we learned a lot last week, amen? Uh, especially as, as, as up-and-coming business owners, up-and-coming uh, uh, people in the community, up-and-coming church members, you want to know what, what God requires of us. That's why whenever you see me get on to somebody for moving around, stirring around, getting up, doing things like that, you know, that's unhealthy for a church to allow people just to move and do what they want. Because about the time somebody's about to get saved, somebody gets up and starts moving around, talking, moving around, uh, rattling gum and paper and stuff like that. You know, healthy people know the importance of, of, of the atmosphere of Christ. How many of you know that in your house? How many know that in your church? Amen. Somebody told me today, I have never walked into a church where I felt the Holy Spirit like I felt it this morning. And I met these people last night at 9 o'clock at night, and I found out a lot about them at 9 o'clock. I invited them to church, and they were here, and they were in their spot. And, and they said, I have never seen or felt anything like I did today. You know, but if somebody's moving around, stirring around, getting up, getting down, it causes friction. It causes and makes room for because the Lord is not a Lord of chaos. I'm going to keep order in his house, whether it offends you or not. I'm going to keep ordering this church, whether people leave or come and go. It, it don't matter to me. Being, being right with God is what matters to me. Appointing right leaders is what matters to me. Uh, before I promoted people because they were my friends. Before I promoted people because they've been in church for a while. Now I'm promoting people the way the Bible says to promote. And that is the only way. And people, I'm telling you, that's the only way. You're going to learn so much. If you stick with me on Sunday nights, you're going to learn so much. Uh, so uh, I'm going to pick up where we left off. Paul talks about choosing faithful people and leadership. Uh, and then he talks to him about four characteristics of, of healthy leadership. 2 Timothy 2, go there with me. 2 Timothy 2. We must return to the biblical standards for leadership. Who agrees with that? I wish this country would. Come on, somebody. We're going to be in trouble. We got two choices, and I, I, uh, you, you flip a coin one way or the other, and we're going to be in trouble. It don't matter what you say tonight. Uh, I'm telling you, if, if Donald Trump gets elected, you're going to have so many people that are haters. They're going to rise up. And we're going to see riots like we've never seen before in the history of the United States of America. You will have to arm yourself as soon as you get out of bed. Your families will be in danger. Uh, going to the local uh, grocery store is going to be just the craziest thing. We're going to run out of supplies before you know it. Cash will be no more. If Donald Trump gets elected, I promise you, and I'm not a politician. I'm not even talking politics. I'm telling you, he says a lot of right things. He says a lot of right things, but so did Obama in the first. Hillary Clinton, I, I'm telling you right now, Hillary Clinton Man, she don't have the backbone. She, she shouldn't be even running for this office. Not that a woman shouldn't run for the office. I'm just telling you, when we allow our military to, to get killed and nobody does nothing about it, we're going to be in trouble. What happened in Benghazi should have never happened. It should have never happened. And I'm telling you, we need to appoint Christian leaders. How do we do that? You and I go to the polls. You and I stand up and say something. We must return to the biblical standard for leadership. In doing so, it's helpful to see how the Apostle Paul described it. In 2 Timothy 2, uh, 2 through 6, it says, 
And these things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Therefore, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one entangles in warfare, entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes by the rules, the Hard-working farmer must first partake of the crocs. We learn that. Uh, Paul tells Timothy to choose faithful people in leadership. Then he tells them the four characteristics of faithful people. Uh, perseverance. How many people know that faithful people go through some hard times? They persevere. They don't quit. They don't stop. They keep going. They persevere. Let me ask you today. Are you here tonight? And you say, Brother Mark, right now I'm persevering. Right now, I have been up against the wall, had things thrown at me. I am persevering. This time last year, I didn't know if I was going to make it. Six weeks ago, I didn't know how we were going to eat, but I'm persevering. Paul says, if you're looking for people in leadership, you need to look for people that know how to persevere. Uh, when you start thinking about the military, the favorite movie that I have that I watch every time it comes on TV is Clint Eastwood, and it's called Hamburger Hill, I think is the name. Anybody ever seen that movie where uh, anybody? No, no, anybody? Somebody raise your hand. That is one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. He took a group of Marines who were just a bunch of knuckleheads, no supervision, no nothing. He made them elite fighting force. He made them elite fighting force. You know how he did it? He said, we will learn to adapt and overcome in any situation. I watched that when I was probably 16, 15 years old, and I adopted that in my life. When everything was coming against me, I said, you know what? I'm going to overcome no matter whatever comes my way. We need to do that as a church. Huh? We need to do that as a mom and dad, as a couples. We need to do that in life, on the job. That we need to, we need to be able to persevere. If I'm looking for leaderships, I'm looking for some people that can get through some hard times, and not quit, not complain, not back up off of it. But Paul tells Timothy, he says, "Look for people that persevere. You will have to be emotionally strong enough to endure hardship. Faithful versus disloyal. I'm here till." Going gets tough, and then I'm gone. Anybody ever met somebody like that? They're here until the going gets tough, and then they're gone. Do we see that today in this world? Uh, anybody date somebody one time, and, and all of a sudden it got a little hot in the, uh, hot in the kitchen, and they gone. They gone. Anybody ever had somebody said, I'll never leave you, I'll be beside you, and then it got a little hot, and they'd gone. I had somebody, I, I'm still friends with them. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. They told me and Mary outside one time. They, we were standing in the arena. We were talking. They said, our feet will be planted in the sands of Caney Creek Cowboy Church forever. We never saw them another Sunday. <laughs> Not one other Sunday did we ever see them. I ran into them at another church, and I was like, wow, what's going on, guys? How you doing? Oh, sorry, Brother Mark. We hadn't been there in a while. We started coming here. I said, that poor pastor don't even know when he does. We're going to be here until the... Man, me and me, I'm a preacher, I, I teach, I, I, I come from Lone Star, I, I, I do this, I do that. We're going to be here, and man, we never saw him again, did we? Not one more Sunday. I don't know what happened, but that tells me if he did come back, he's probably not going to be in leadership. Because if you're going to be in leadership, you need to mean what you say and say what you mean. Who needs to hear that tonight? You need to mean what you say and say what you mean. 
If I tell you I'm going to do something, you better believe I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. No matter what happens, you ask my wife, I'll put things off just to make sure that I keep my word because my word means something. Perseverance, faithfulness versus disloyalty. I'm here till things get tough and then I'm gone. You can measure this in a person's personal life, marriage, family, church history, and prior service and leadership. Number two, self-denial. You will have to be strong enough emotionally to forsake your own desires to focus on the interest of Christ and others. Faithfulness versus selfish. I'm here as long as it's good for me. Anybody ever met people like that? I'm here as long as it's good for me. You play the type of music that I like and I'm here. But you play an old hymn that I don't like, I'm out. I'm here as long as you're doing barrel racing. But if you don't do barrel racing, I'm out. I'm here as long as there's a biker ministry, but if there ain't no biker ministry, I'm out. I'm here as long as it benefits me. We see people like that on the job. We see people like that in life. We got family like that. Anybody got family like that? I'll ride with you until it's not about me anymore. I'm teaching you something tonight. Faithfulness versus selfishness. I'm here as long as it's good for me. This is why Judas betrayed Jesus and fell. It is also why many others in leadership have betrayed others and abandoned their post. They are self-promoting, emotionally unhealthy, as long as they're popular, as long as it's about me. Me, 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 me. As long as I'm popular, as long as it's about me. You know what? Me and Mary have sat on the back burning there. It didn't bother us that people, other people were getting glory for things. It didn't bother us a bit. It didn't bother. When, when we hired a, another pastor one time, everybody flocked to them. And me and Mary's like, hey, we're over here, guys. You see us? But everybody's just, just focused, focused on that pastor. But you know what? We were just as happy he was here as they were. And we just, we just rolled it out. And then there were some character flaws that showed up. But they didn't show up in me and Mary. We stay faithful. We stay faithful. We stayed the course. And you know what? We're still here and they're gone. That tells you something right there about the emotional state of people. I have learned this buying horses. Don't buy horses from people who are, are really good ropers. Don't do that. Get you some people that you really can trust and buy horses from them. But if you buy people, buy, buy horses from people who can really, really are, are, are famous and stuff, they can make a bad horse look good. They can make anything look good. If they're really gifted at roping, they're really gifted at barrel racing, they can ride anything. They can do anything. I want to be around people who are not selfish, who don't make things about them, that want to be humble and want to be grateful. When we promote people, we're looking for people that are, say, you know what, Brother Mark, call me at midnight. I'll come up there. We had a guy run through the fence on Friday night. People found out that I, I was up here with Justin and Ryan putting this fence together, and they was mad at me. Pastor, why didn't you call me? We'd have come right up and done that for you. Well, I don't mind doing it. And it was a great opportunity to witness to somebody that was really lost. But people in this church are really good at sticking their hand up, saying, I'll do that. I'll take care of that. This morning, there were some men over here getting ready. I guess we'd been so busy this week, I hadn't even checked with Dave to see why, why that building didn't get cleaned over there. It was really dirty before this morning's class, but there were some people over here really making sure that that thing was cleaned up before we started Sunday school this morning. That's awesome. 
the door was shut, nobody was in there, and they were sweeping and cleaning up and picking up trash. They didn't care if anybody saw them. They were just faithful. We're looking for faithful people, Cowboy Church. Faithfulness or selfishness? I'm here as long as it's good for me. That's what happened to Judas. And here's where we're going to start. This is where I, I think I stopped. Submission to authority. I, I, I'm fixing to rub some of you the wrong way. Comes a time in your life where you got to submit to authority. You think I am the authority? No, you ain't. God is. <laughs> and when you can learn to submit, submit to his authority, you can submit to other people's authority. We're not going to promote people that can't submit to authority anymore. You're either going to do it God's way, uh, the way of the pastor, the way of the ministry, or you're not going to do it at all with us. That's a fact. I learned that in school. you got to get people in your life that say, you know what, I will submit to authority. I'm not going to make this thing about me. You know who the greatest leaders are? The ones who submit to authority. You know who makes the most money in the world? Those who submit to authority. You know who's are promoted faster than the, than the guy who knows it all? The one who submits to authority. I'm teaching you something tonight. Listen. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. You will have to be emotionally healthy enough to humble yourself and take directions from others with the right attitude. Faithfulness versus rebellion. I'm here as long as I agree with the leadership. Boy, we've not seen that before. Someone says, boy, your church has a back door on it, don't it? People come in. And then they go out the back door and you never see them again. Most times because they can't submit to authority. The Holy Spirit makes you uncomfortable. He does. He does. He, he requires things from us when we get saved. And when we get baptized, it's out with the old and in with the new. And he starts requiring you to clean up. And then you start hearing some real preaching out of the real Bible. And you can't submit to that authority so the back door works just as good as the front door around here. But you know what? It's in every church. But when you're looking to promote people, you ought to look for somebody that says, you know what, I'm going to submit to authority. You know what, if you're on your job, you need to learn to submit to authority. Come on, somebody. You need to submit to authority. Kids ought to submit to the authority of their parents. Wives ought to submit to the authority of, of their husband. Husbands ought to submit to the authority of God. That's the order. God, you submit to God, you submit to, to him, and then wives, you submit to your husband, and children, you submit to your parents, and then when you're out there in the workforce, even if your boss tells you something to do and it ain't the way that you've done it 30 years, if you're working for him and he's the boss, then do it. That's called submission to authority. It will promote you faster than any knowledge or gifting than you ever had. You can measure this in a person's life by how they respond to authority on all levels. Are they independent, rebellious, proud? How do they respond when they disagree with you? I don't mind people disagreeing with me. People disagree with me every day. I, I, I don't mind that at all. That don't bother me a bit. But I'm still going to do it the way God says. You can disagree with me all day long. You can talk about me behind my back. I don't bother me. People do that all the time. I'm still going to do it God's way. I'm still going to do it the best way because I'm going to answer to him one day. See, I know this. I'm going to stand before my maker and give an account for everything I've done, everything I've said, everything I'm going to do. But I can lay my head down at night knowing I've done my best. I haven't wavered because people wanted me to waver. There was a time I did. 
but that time is gone. There was a time I, I would cater to unhealthy people to try to make them more healthy. I've learned that, hey, you know what? The only person to get yourself healthy is you. You have to make your mind up that you're going to get healthy, that you're going to submit to authority, and you're going to get healthy. You know, I don't understand people who go through interfaith disciple house and quit the fifth month. I own people that went to Heaven's Army. There was a girl at Heaven's Army, man, great girl. Man, we just helped her out the other day, just a wonderful person, just really a good person. Five months in, she's submitted to authority. She's changed her life. She's done really well. She has a job. She's working. She's about to graduate. There's no cell phones in the house. What does she do with her first paycheck? Hey, there's some kids out there running around. Joe, we don't do that. Would you go get them and tell them that they come in? And uh, so there's, there's, a, uh, there's a, uh, a, a, a no cell phone policy. There's, there's, hey, you can't be on your cell phone. We're not going to let you have a cell phone in here. Because you got people that come with the first month, you got people that are there in protection. There's no cell phones in the program, so here you go. You got you got this this lady who's been five months submitting to authority, and all of a sudden she's got a job. She gets her first paycheck. She's graduating in three weeks. What does she do with her first check? She goes, and I'm not telling you her business. I'm not telling you now. I'm just telling you. Like, let's just say it's a story anywhere. Use your big mind. Let's just say it's a, a story. Anyway, I want you to go back and say, hey, Brother Mark's talking about this, 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 and this. You know, I'm just telling you a story. It's a true story. It happened over there at Heaven's Army. She should have submitted to authority, followed the rules. She did it for five months. She gets her first paycheck. They go to Walmart. She sneaks over there. She buys a cell phone. She brings that cell phone into the house, and she's calling people. Then she sneaks out, and there's a no tobacco policy. She buys tobacco. She's hiding the tobacco. She's hiding the phone. They found the tobacco. They found the phone. They kicked her out of the program. She had two weeks left. And Lenora was strong enough to look her in the eye and said, none of this has worked for you. What do you mean? I've been here five and a half months. Yeah, but you still ain't got it, girl, because you don't submit to authority. You don't follow the rules. When you don't follow the rules, when you argue about the rules, when you want to make your own rules, you're not doing it God's way, and you've probably got a problem with your pride. You've probably got a problem being saved. You're born again. I would say that half the people in the world that say they're saved probably are not saved, and how do I know that? Because the Bible says that many will call on his name and say, didn't I do this and didn't I do that? And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. I know the Bible, guys. Don't look at me like I don't. He said, many, many, many are chosen, many are called, but few are going to make it. you got to stay on the narrow road. That narrow road is a path of submission. I want to be submissive to God in every area of my life. We want to be as a married couple, as a father, as a grandfather, as a business owner, as a minister. We want to be submissive to God. You know, when we're submissive to God, he'll promote you. Faithfulness versus rebellion. You can measure it in a person's life by how they respond to authorities on all levels, how they respond. Another way is delayed gratification. The hardworking farmer must first partake of the crops. You will have to be emotionally healthy enough to work through difficulties. Faithfulness, I'm here as long as I get recognized and rewarded for the things that I've done. How many people like a pat on the back? We see it all the time. Give me a pat on the back, man. Give me a pat on the back. I know people that, man, they served the first time and nobody recognized them and they ain't served again. Well, who are you serving for? Were you serving for that pat on the back? You want me to bake you some cookies? Give you some cheese with that wine? 
I, I had a guy out here working a gate one time, and he he was he was holding that gate. Dean, I think y'all was out there. He was holding that gate. Somebody was out there, and, and that bull hit that gate, and he had his hands on that gate, and that gate slipped out of his hand, popped him in the head, busted him wide open. He fell over cockeyed cold, and, man, we finally got him back together. He said, man, let me put my hat on and go right back to work. I said, hold on, dude. You all right? You all right? Man, don't make a fuss over me. I'm just here to work a gate. Submission to authority. Ready to go to work. Didn't need everybody to make a fuss over him. Huh? Huh? If you do something good, praise God, we're going to celebrate that. You're going to get recognized and the light will shine on you. I've learned one thing, Robbie. When the light shines on me and the light shines on you, there's nothing nobody else can do about it. Huh? When the light starts to shine on you, there's nothing nobody else can do. You, you talk about Christina Kane, one of the most famous pastors in the world teaching right now, a great pastor, a great teacher, a great woman. And she sat in the church for seven years teaching seven kids. And she began to complain about it. And then God broke her heart. And then she said, Lord, if I preach to these seven kids for the rest of my life, I'll be happy. Then she got the phone call to preach to 70,000 youths at a conference in inner city Houston. So you see, God will make you ruler over a lot when you're faithful with a little. But you got to get healthy, guys. The hardworking farmer must first partake of the crops. You will, be, you will have to be emotionally healthy enough to work hard through difficulties before you see any results. I'm here as long as I get recognized. So I would rather, I'd rather have faithful leaders than gifted ones. Somebody get that today. I'd rather have faithful leaders than gifted ones. This is also how when you see emotionally healthy people shine. When I had to stop paying CJ, I told you guys that story. We learned. He says, when I look back over 32 years of failures and successes in choosing and promoting leaders, I can see that every success was because those I chose had these four traits and every failure was because they were missing one of these. Important, important responses to these issues. One person's, on a personal level, we need to focus more on our level of emotional health and, and then maturity. Let me say that again so you get this. <laughs> i got to get this in my wife's mind. You want to focus on somebody who's more emotionally healthy than they are mature sometimes. Huh? Get that tonight. Emotional health over maturity, we'll take that all day long. So a person has not arrived yet. So Bobby, come here, Bobby. You've not arrived yet. You a free spirit. You a Range Rover. You an alley cat. Huh? I'm, I'm trying to hit on some levels, man. You know, if you, he's just here, see? You get a guy like this who is emotionally healthy. But as far as a grown-up Christian man, the world would say, well, why ain't he doing it this way? And why ain't he carrying his big Bible this way? You know, give me somebody right here that is, is ready to be emotionally healthy over maturity any day. And I'll serve with this guy right now, anywhere, anytime, any place. He's never been to seminary. Have you? Huh? You ain't taking no online courses? What? What? Well, that's right, because he's emotionally healthy. I will serve with emotionally healthy people over mature people any day. I love you. I'm not saying you're immature. <laughs> 
need not say any more. Guy leaves the stage doing a ballerina dance. Go ahead. <laughs> but you know what? I, I was at First Baptist the other day, and when I took the pulpit, all them mature people didn't say a word. But when I said, you know what? When I take this pulpit, usually people clap. I got them clapping. I got them laughing. They were so stuck in being mature that they were immature. They were so stuck with being right and traditional and allowing the Holy Spirit to be free in their life. See, I will take, that's what, that, this is something that we got to wrap our mind around, baby, is we're going to grow this church. A personal level, on a personal level, we need to focus more on the level of emotional health and maturity. Let me tell you a story they told me there. They told me a story of a young lady who joined the church and she wanted to teach one of their life classes. They run 40,000 people. 40,000 peoples. That's bigger than Conroe almost. 40,000 people, that's a lot of folks. And this lady joined the church, and she'd been there six weeks or so, and she wanted to teach a life group. And they told her, said, no, ma'am, no, ma'am, you got to go to church, and you got to go to life group training. And so it usually takes a year for a person to be here and, 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 and go to school and, and teach these life groups. Well, uh, the pastor heard him tell that lady that. He said, I'll tell you what, you get in life group, you learn, you, you stay in there three months, and I'll make you a life group leader. So, man, she did. She did what the pastor asked her. She got in there, and after, after 90 days, they made her a life group leader. She had a small life group, and she was over there. She was teaching what they told her to teach, but she didn't understand every bit of it. So she started teaching stuff the wrong way a little bit. She started teaching. She said, we're going to chant in the Holy Spirit. So she called the pastor's wife and said, how do we chant in the Holy Spirit? What? We don't chant in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in after you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And so she didn't know, Dean. She didn't know. She was teaching the wrong thing. Most churches, Donnie would have said, go sit down. Stay for a year now. Learn something. The pastor's wife took time with her. She said, I'll tell you what, meet me on Thursday for coffee. I want to tell you how we allow the Holy Spirit into our life and how we release that to other people. They spent three or four weeks training her as they let her continue to teach. Her life group is now the largest life group in Trinity Fellowship. There's more people signing up for her class than any other class there is. See, she wasn't mature, but she was healthy. See, we'll take healthy over mature any day. Brother Mark explained that to me again. You ever know somebody that knows the Bible backwards and forwards, but they're hateful? You ever know somebody that knows the Bible backwards and forwards, but they put it and browbreed you over the head with that Bible? Give me somebody that don't know the Bible but loves you, and I'll take that person all day long. Give me somebody that don't know the word backwards and forwards, but knows how to get in the ditch and, and, and fight the devil with a water gun. Amen. Number two, I'm almost done. I, I'm going to go five more minutes. On a leadership level, we must use the right biblical measure of whether a person is fit for leadership and is ready for promotion. Lose the word sharp and use the word healthy. See, we don't want sharp leaders. We don't want intelligent leaders. We want healthy leaders. You know what I started doing with my staff? Did I tell you all? Every one of them gets a sabbatical a week, and every one of them gets a day off. Because without a sabbatical and without a day off, that makes them very unhealthy. Every 14 days, my staff gets three days off. 
Why? Because their emotional health means more to me because I've seen them almost burn out, die out, and quit. I said, the moment any of my staff tells me they want to quit again, they'll be gone. They'll be gone. They'll be gone. Because I know that they're unemotionally healthy. They're not healthy. They're not healthy. But if we get rest and we take time and we rejuvenate and we take a sabbatical like God told us to, we'll be emotionally healthy to be able to handle whatever comes our way. We won't freak out. We won't freak out. Leadership, sharp. I don't want sharp people. I want healthy people. Pay attention to the people and the little things that you might normally ignore. It doesn't mean we judge or reject them. It means we have assessed them, and we want to make sure that as soon as we're assessing people, we're moving forward with the right people. We must mentor people in emotional health and healing as a normal part of discipleship and training. The devil is looking for the weakest emotional link at the highest part of the fence. Let me say that again so you'll understand. The devil's looking for the weakest link at the top of the chain. Because he knows if he can get the top, he's going to start folding down the fence. He's going to start breaking down things. So if I have some emotional leaders, up, if I have some elders that are unhealthy, and the devil can get them, he's going to do everything he can to start with them and work their way down. Well, if I can get the elder, I can get his wife, I can get their family, I can get other people disgruntled, I can get the people that they're connected to, if I, I can get them. He's, looking for, he's not looking for the strongest link. He's looking for the weakest link at the top of the chain. He's not coming for the bottom, the guy that just got saved or spent in church for him. He wants to find the, the weakest link at the top of the chain. Because if he can break that chain, he stops the growth. Lessons from a pastor I promoted. Very sharp, very smart, very influential, very gifted, very emotionally unhealthy. He told this story about going to play golf. He told this story about going to play golf. He had hired this pastor. And, 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 and let me see if, there's, if the story's here. Uh, they were in the car. And, and, and Jimmy Evans, he says, we play golf all the time. Uh, this new pastor, we invited him to go play with us. And, and they were in the car, and they were in the back seat together, and they got to the golf course, and the doors opened up, and Jimmy reached over and slapped him and said, we're going to beat the mess out of y'all today. For five hours, that guy didn't say one word to him. Finally, Jimmy pulled him over to the side and said, hey, man, did, did I say something wrong? Did I, did, I, did I hurt your feelings? What's going on? He said, yeah, you hurt my feelings when you said you're going to beat the mess out of us today. Something that simple told Jimmy, this guy's, unemotionally healthy come to find out they had to fire him he was doing other things that were ungodly comfort mentors we need to be around people we need to build them up satan's primary access point is leaders in the emotionally unhealthy and immature the devil's priority ways the devil primary way to stop you and the work you're doing is to use unemotionally healthy people around you to do so go with me to mark 15 10 Mark 15, 10, somebody read it. Okay. 
For he, Pilate, knew that the chief priest had handed him Jesus over because of envy. Envy. We see that all day, every day nowadays. You get some hands out there. They're jealous. They're envious of other people. They'll start trying to backbite, talk about. Listen to me, guys. Don't pay no attention to that. You keep being awesome. Come on, somebody, listen to me. Don't get in the ditch and argue and fight with those people. You just keep being awesome. The Pharisees were so emotionally unhealthy, they could not tolerate the excellence of Jesus. You guys keep being excellent. Who cares what people say around you? Around you, What's your family saying about you coming to church? You keep coming to church. You keep bowing your head and praying. You keep doing right. Uh, you know, there's something that I see all the time that, that even as Christian leaders, they get, they get puffed up about what they know and where they serve. Man, if somebody's trying to serve with me, I'll just move over and let them just have the gate. I'll move over and let them make the coffee today. I'll move over instead of being envious. Maybe they do know a better way. But I know people, man, they get puffed up about the silliest things. They get envious. They get jealous. You know what? Let's pick our battles. Let's let people serve. You know what? If you, somebody else decides that they want to serve where you're serving, then scoot over and let them serve. But be there to mentor them, to build them off. They don't want no help. You know what? They're unemotionally healthy, and it'll show, and we'll take care of that. But don't you quit. Don't you quit. And don't allow envy to make you quit. The Bible says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. There's so much about this unemotionally health, envy, jealousy, bitterness, fear. It all comes from the devil. And it'll break up the body of Christ if we let it. So if we're going to promote leaders in the church, they're going to be emotionally healthy from now on. So we're going to take a test next Sunday. I'm going to have handouts, and you're going to grade yourself next Sunday night to see if you're emotionally healthy or you're not. See, this don't do no good if you're not honest either. So when we take the test, you need to be prepared to be honest because you know what the great thing about unemotionally healthy people is? In four to six weeks, they can be emotionally healthy. That's what they, well, we admit, we're, we admit that we're weak. We admit that, that we're not healthy. That makes me look like I'm weak in front of my pastor, in front of my ministry. Whatever, I'd rather you admit that you have a problem, get right with God, let us mentor you and help you, and then we're going to take on the kingdom of heaven, and we're going to take some saints with us when you're emotionally healthy. I mean, we're going to take on Satan, and we're going to lift up the kingdom of heaven. I promise you guys. I would rather have somebody say, Brother Mark, I'm emotionally unhealthy. So we're going to take this test next week. And we're going to be honest. And we're going to grade it. And there's going to be a lot of questions on there. It's going to, have to deal with your emotional health to see if you're really right with God or not. Amen? I hope you got something out of this tonight. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for allowing us to come together. Lord, uh, I pray that people stay and have family fun day. They play basketball, volleyball, hang out, do whatever they want to do here, Lord. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Bring us back together in our spot on Tuesday night for bull riding. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys, amen.